Well, amen to that. And I am so glad that you are here today. So glad that this team was here today to lead us in worship to the very throne of Christ. I got tears in my eyes, so I'm just going to wipe those out. Maybe you did too. Who's glad to be in church this morning? Me too, me too, me too. If you will open your Bibles and turn to the book of Nehemiah, we are going to continue in our our study there this morning. If you've got your handouts, get those out. Get ready to fill those out. If you don't know where Nehemiah is, that's not a problem. It's in the Old Testament. If you'll just find Ezra and hang a right, you'll find Nehemiah. If you don't know where Ezra is, that's no problem. If you'll just find Esther and hang a left, it's right there to, uh, to Esther's left. But be ready, because I believe God's got something for us today. As I said, it's good to be here with you this morning. Let me ask you a question. Isn't God good? Yes. Now, we, as you've heard this morning, we've had uh, three times this week our church family's been impacted with loved ones passing. But I don't know about uh, you that, that's a sad time for sure, and we sure do miss, miss, uh, miss Peggy. We had our worship time this morning after the worship team practiced, and Miss Peggy was always here for that, uh, and she was here for that this morning. And I just praise God that even in death, we can celebrate and we can have joy because we know that we are going to see our loved ones again. How many of you are enjoying reading through Nehemiah? Show of hands. What a powerful book. Oh, some of you just aren't reading through Nehemiah, so maybe I need to say, what a powerful book it is. I didn't realize there was so much going on in, in Nehemiah, and I'm excited to be here this morning to talk to you about a little bit about what I, what I see there. God is opening up his scriptures to us. Do you believe that? Well, when we apply ourselves, when we dig in, when we open his book, we may not understand everything in there. I'll be the first one to say, I don't always get it. There's a lot I don't understand. But when we open up and say, God, show me what you have for me, he just reveals stuff to us. That's how I know his word is alive. And I encourage you, if you're not in his word on a daily basis, you need to get there because your life will be changed. Hopefully you were with us last week as Pastor Robert, who's under the weather this morning, uh, as uh, Joseph mentioned, uh, started us off in this series. And, and if you had a chance to watch it on Facebook, if you weren't here, uh, catch up on, on where we are. I'm, I'm sure that there was something in there that impacted you in a deep way. Would you agree with that? Two of us would. Okay, that's good. Uh, here's what impacted me most is uh, this week I, I had 42 messages that came to me via email or text, or, and they were all registered to the complaint department. If you didn't get that, you need to go back and watch last week's message. Started us out in a powerful way in the book of Nehemiah. Let's start here. Would you read with me? Can we get that on screen in Nehemiah chapter 2? Now, when I say read with me, that's what I actually mean, right? You've got voices. I want you to read this thing. As a matter of fact, I know you just got sat down and comfortable, but I don't know that you could do it without standing up. Could you stand up to God's word this morning and read this with me? Now, some of you are like, man, I just got sat down. It'll, it'll be worth it, believe me. Here we go. Are you ready? Then I said to them, you see the trouble we are in? Jerusalem lies in ruins, and its gates have been burned with fire. Come, let us rebuild the wall of Jerusalem, and we will no longer be in disgrace. I also told them about the gracious hand of my God on me, and what the king had said to me. 
They replied, let us start rebuilding. So they began this good work. You may be seated. Isn't that great? Isn't that beautiful? Do you know what Nehemiah delivered right there? He delivered the State of the Union address. Right? And don't you think it's interesting? Now I want you to remember that we put our sermon series together late last year, in 2018. And here we are, talking about Nehemiah building a wall. Who's with me? Isn't that crazy? God just knows how to work it out. I think God has a sense of humor, don't you? Here we are talking about building a wall. But what a beautiful passage that is to kind of wrap up the, 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 the second book, the second chapter there in Nehemiah. He gives a state of the union. As a matter of fact, in, in that short passage that he, he says right there at the end, he delivers four important and critical things right there. Number one, he lays out the problem. He says, you see the trouble we are in. Let me ask you a question already this morning. Do you see the trouble we are in? Do you guys see the trouble we're in? Do you guys see the trouble? The trouble we are in. Nehemiah wanted to make it clear. He starts with, do you see the trouble we're in? And then he continues in, in number two, he gives, the, the, like I said, the state of the union. He says, Jerusalem lies in ruins and its gates have been burned with fire. Let me ask you this morning, do you see the trouble we're in? Do you see that the gates have been burned? Do you see the, uh, the problems that are going on around you? He lays that out for him. And then the next thing he does is he charges the people. I want you to circle, underline, highlight, whatever you can do in there. Come. I love the fact that Nehemiah says, come. He says, come, let us rebuild the wall of Jerusalem. You see, I used to work in the, in the professional realm like some of you did. I spent 20 years in the security industry and I led many teams. And I liked it when people brought problems to the table. I didn't mind them coming in at a meeting and saying, hey, we've got problems like Nehemiah did here. But then I want them to bring solutions to the table. I, I want them to come and say, here's where I've identified an issue but here's a potential solution. What do you think? And that's what Nehemiah does. He comes in and he says, we're in trouble. The walls lie in ruins and the gates have been burned. Come, let us rebuild the wall of Jerusalem. He charges the people. And then the last thing he does in that short little verse is he gives assurance to the people that this is a God thing. And some people need that. And I would encourage you to need that. There's a whole lot of people that stand on a whole lot of platforms, podiums, street corners. They're on TV, they're on the radio, and they're yelling all kinds of stuff. And they might say, come, let us do this. Or come, let us do that. But you want to make sure that you have heard the heart of that message. And Nehemiah said, I know what you need to hear. You need to hear that this came from God. This is a God thing. And he said, let me assure you that the hand of God is on me. And then he gives even more information and says, the king has sent me to do this. king sent him with letters. What a, what a great passage that in. And then this excites me. This kind of sets the whole thing off for me is that the people respond. Now, I love it when people respond. Some of you know that. See, I'm used to doing kids' church. And in kids' church, I don't let them just sit there. They got to say something. They got to bring it. They got to help me out. I don't want to be a preacher or a pastor or a teacher that just stands up here uttering a bunch of stuff and you guys are just sitting there taking it all in. I want something back. Right? 
So that's what Nehemiah wants. He, he wants somebody to stand up and say, let's do it. Let's build this wall. And so he says, come, let's build the wall. And what do the people say? They replied, let us start rebuilding. Or in other words, in the line of my good friend Travis, who's here in the room, pitter-patter, let's get at her. Yeah? Hey, pitter-patter. Let's get at her. These weren't people that were ready to stand by and go, yeah, let's see what happens, Nehemiah. Like, I'm going to head back to the house. I'm going to keep up with this on Facebook. Well, let's see what's going on. No, 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 not these people. These people are like, let's rebuild the wall. But it wasn't just lip service. Are you hearing me this morning? Am I coming off too strong right at the gate here? They, it wasn't just lip service. They didn't just say, yeah, come on, Nehemiah. Let's rebuild the wall. I love it that Included in this passage, it says, Nehemiah tells us, so they began this good work. That's the first thing on your outline A right there this morning. Do more than talk about it. Get after it. Huh? Pitter-patter. Oh, they got to do better than that, Travis, don't you think? Pitter-patter. You got to do more than talk about it. Now, how many times in our lives have we been maybe the person that did a whole lot of talking about it, but we didn't have a whole lot of action to follow that up? That's contrary to God's scripture. I'm going to tell you that right now. I'm not trying to condemn anybody. I'm talking to myself too. There's a whole lot of lip service going on in this world. Amen. There's not a whole lot of people that'll stand up and get her done. And that's what Nehemiah was calling these people to do. And the people responded, let's start rebuilding the wall. And I believe at that moment they got their hard hat on. They picked up their tool belt and they said, where do you want me to go? Let's get this thing done. And we're going to talk about a few of those folks this morning. But I want to ask you this morning already, are you one of those people? Are you one of the people that when the charge is given and you know this came from the hand of God and, and there's something to be done, you'll pick up your tool belt, you'll put your hard hat on, you've got your axe, your hammer, whatever it takes to get the job done. So let me bring up a few of these people out in chapter 3 of Nehemiah this morning. You see there was a project that needed to get done. What, what about a project that needs to get done in your life? The ladies are looking over at their husbands going, yeah, he's talking about that bathroom remodel. I told you. I told you you should have got on that. That bookshelf I needed built. No, 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 that's not exactly what we're talking about this morning. We'll do marriage counseling next week. Listen, I'm talking about a project, something that's going on in your life that needs your attention, that needs to be done. As I read through chapter 3 this week in preparation for this morning, I thought, man, look at all these projects that need to, to get done in here. We want to talk about that if there's a plan that needs attention, we might be the person that needs to get this done. You see the trouble that you're in, Nehemiah says, you're, the walls need to be rebuilt. Maybe we're looking at ourselves this morning and maybe there's a spiritual wall, something in our lives that needs our attention that we need to get our tool belt on and go to work on. If, if I wrote you a letter, something like Nehemiah wrote, and I, and I put it in your hands this morning, it might sound something like this. You see the trouble that you're in? Do, do you see your spiritual condition is in shambles? Your ability to defeat your addictions is destroyed? Come. Renew your spirit and restore relationship with the Lord. I've been sent by God to this place to tell you this. That might be what I would write to you this morning if I was writing as, as Nehemiah did. And your response would be what? 
Yes, yes, let us start rebuilding and then everyone should see you put your heart and your hands to the task. We've got to stop procrastinating and we've got to start acting like the children of, of God. We've got to start setting aside the, the things that don't matter and focus our attention on the things that matter to God. We've got to start rebuilding. As we come to chapter 3 in Nehemiah, uh, I want to look at some of these people that are mentioned here very, very quickly that, that are helping to rebuild and restore the city walls. The city walls of Jerusalem were in shambles from the exile. They had been burned and destroyed. And I don't know if any of you have done any history uh, lessons on, on the walls of Jerusalem, but we're not talking about a little skinny, tiny, little four-foot fence chain link like some of us have in our backyards. We're talking about a thick, massive undertaking with foundations of stone and walls that would keep out the enemy. And this wall desperately, desperately needs to be rebuilt. In a cast of characters that I believe God hand-selected, God put him, he himself ordained these people to be part of, of what's going on here. Each one of them deserves to be considered, and I, I would ask you to do that over the next few weeks. Look at each one of the people that are mentioned in chapter, in chapter 3. Starting right in, in verse 1, uh, Eliashib, the high priest, is mentioned in verse 1. And I thought it was interesting that the very first person mentioned in chapter 3 that started the rebuilding process was the high priest. And he had a group of priests, a group of pastors, a group of leaders that were there with him. And and that's the way the kingdom should operate is the pastors, the leaders, the teachers, the, the priests, they should be out front making it happen. They should be leading the charge on the rebuilding process. So wouldn't you know it, the very first person that Nehemiah decides to mention is the preacher. He's like, hey, as we start to look at the people who are rebuilding this wall, the preacher's out there. The priest is out there first. He's got his, his tool belt on. His hands are in it. He's, he's out there setting the example for all the other folks that will come behind him. He's out there showing that even the people at the top can get their hands dirty and do some of the work. What a great example of how ministers and preachers and pastors and true spiritual leaders in your life should be leading the charge. Elishab also gathers up a team of his fellow priests and says, Pitter-patter, let's get at her. And I don't want you to miss the location that Nehemiah tells us in, in verse 1 there that they were working on, and it was the sheep gate. I, nothing in the Bible is there just by chance. Do you believe that? And, and when I read through Scripture, I think about it that way. I think, why do I need to know? that he was the high priest and a group of priests. And why do I need to know they were working at the sheep gate? Is this just purely uh, to give me some kind of an idea geographically of where they were working? Don't think for a minute it's by chance. The sheep gate, the very place where the animals who were brought out from the fields by the shepherds to the city of Jerusalem. Why? Because they were exchanged there so that the people could come and buy sacrifices to come and to take to the temple to sacrifice to their God. Why do I need to know that? Because it was important to Nehemiah and it should be important to us to know that as the rebuilding process starts, we have to put God first. This was their system of worship. This is the sacrificial system that God put in place for them. And this high priest and these fellow priests said, hey, we're going to start with worship. We're going to repair this gate. We're going to make sure that this commerce can happen at this gate so that people can come and buy the animals that are needed to be sacrificed so that we can worship our God. Let me ask you where you are going to start after today. 
And let me encourage you that you are going to start by putting God first. Make sure that the, the system of worship, and thank God we don't have to go out and buy sheep and ox and lambs and bring them and have them slaughtered in order to have our sins forgiven. We have the Lamb who gave His life so that we wouldn't have to do that. Amen? But these people still lived under that system of worship and this high priest said, let's rebuild. Let's make sure the sheep gate serves as, a, as the passage that it needs to do. And we notice that they prioritized worship as they rebuilt the walls. Could this potentially be your section of wall that you need to start rebuilding in your life? Maybe you need to work on rebuilding this area of worship in your life. Maybe, maybe there's something there that's been crumbled, burned, or tore down, and, and you say, you know what, you're right, I, I need to work on that. I need to rebuild the sheep gate in my life. Skipping down, I want you to notice in verse 5, the men of a city that was about 10 miles south of Jerusalem had come and were working on a section of the wall. But it, it says specifically that nobles of this, this city called Tekoa wouldn't work. The, the, the men were there from Tekoa, but the nobles, the important people, the, the uppity people maybe you would call them, they, they wouldn't work. They, they wouldn't specifically work for those who were put in charge. It struck me as interesting as I was reading through this this week because, and I think I've shared this before, but I have an issue with authority. You say, well, I didn't know that about you. That's surprising. No, I do. I don't like to be told what to do. Anybody else? It comes a little bit to do with my personality, right? I just don't like somebody to tell me what to do. That's why I told Pastor Robert, just stay home today. <laughs> That's just something that God put inside of me. And I'm not disrespectful about it. I'm not out there shouting at police officers. I wouldn't advise that. You'll wind up on the ground looking at concrete. But there's just something inside me that rises up when somebody says, I need you to do this. I say, well, I don't know that I'm going to do that. I don't know that I feel like doing that. Maybe I just won't. You guys know you're just like that. And I looked at this and I said, you know what? These nobles that came out of Tekoa, they had the same attitude that I, I show. And that's a bad attitude and I have to repent of that. And I do on a regular basis. But they said, I don't want to work for those people. Look who Nehemiah put in charge over here. Why, I wouldn't work for them if it was the last people on earth. And they said they wouldn't work. They're just standing there gawking at the work going on. But they wouldn't put their hands to the work, my thought is that they, they had an opposition to being told what to do. They're just standing around watching the work get done. But let me ask you this. Is this maybe an area of your life that you need to start the rebuilding process? You see, God put people in authority over us. Ultimately, there's God. He decides everything, and I'm a firm believer in that. If there's somebody in office and public service in this country, God put them there. If there's somebody who's in authority over me in, in Congress, if there's somebody in authority over me in my local jurisdictions where I live, I work in the construction industry and for a long time did fire alarms and at the end of a fire alarm installation, the authority having jurisdiction would come out. And if he said, you need to move that horn strobe or that thing two inches to the left, buddy, that was it. We were moving it. There wasn't no conversation about it. So there's people that are put in our lives in authority over us and they're placed there by God. I don't care if you agree. It's, it's true. Read chapter 13 of Romans. There's people who are put in authority. And so Nehemiah put these people in charge, but these men came up from Tekoa, these snobby people, and they said, we're not working for them. Maybe this is an area that you feel inside of you this morning, and something needs to be done there. You need to repent of that. You need to submit to the authority that's been put 
above you. And when you do, here's what happens. God will bless you for doing that. If we have an issue with authority and we refuse to work on it, we will continue to see the same patterns in our life. Here's some other folks who are interesting. Verse 8 tells us there was goldsmiths working on the wall. Perfume makers, verse 32, there were other merchants. I took that to mean bakers. I don't know why. I just thought, yeah, people who make donuts were out there working on the wall. Maybe I was just hungry when I read through this. I don't know why. Verse 22, it said priests from other regions, men from other cities. In verse 12, there was a guy named Shalom who repaired a section with the help of his daughters. Nowhere else in all of chapter 3 do we see any females on the scene except right there. This guy shows up. I don't know if he had any sons or not. I didn't do the history on it. I don't know that we would ever know. But he said, this is so important to me. Hey, girls, come on. He may have had one of those families and they didn't have any sons, but he said, you know what I do have? I've got daughters. And this rebuilding process is so important to me. I'm going to get them out here. We wouldn't think anything of that these days to see uh, you ladies out in, in a tool belt or a hard hat if, if you so desired working to rebuild the wall, to rake the leaves, to do whatever. But in this day and time, that was a big deal. And I think Nehemiah put that in here so that we would look at that and say, wow, he even brought his daughter's out to do that. My point is, and this is B on your outline there, it takes all kinds of people to get the work done. It takes all kinds of people to get the work done. Now, as I start to my left over here and start to pan the audience, and I look front row to back row all across here, we've got all kinds of people. Amen? And God loves all kinds of people. Amen? I see that most of the people that we have here in the building with us today like to sit on the right or the left. Very few people like to sit in the middle. But we do have some middle people. It takes all kinds of people to get the work done. And that's why we, from the pulpit, from the front, from leadership, from our leadership and our connect groups, we compel people all the time. Jump in, get involved, serve, do whatever God's called you to do. He may not have called you to go on a missions trip and go to another country. Like Pastor Terry said in that video earlier, and he might have called you to go next door. And talk to the people who are over there. The people that are stinky and dirty and you don't like them. And they, the dog comes over and does business in your yard. He said, hey, I put you in this neighborhood for a reason. Go talk to them. It takes all kinds of people to get the work done. Let me throw this in very quickly. Our society, our world, and the enemy of our souls is doing everything he can to segment people. Oh, here's black people, here's white people, here's people from Mexico, here, here's people from this. He's doing everything he can to cause division in the body of Christ. And I'm here today to take a stand and let you know at Connections Church, we won't tolerate that. We bring people together into relationship primarily with him and then with each other. I don't care what color you are. I saw some purple people this morning. I love you. I think they were just really cold. As we look across the list of names and people of differing social classes and occupations, what we see is that everybody is important to God's kingdom. Amen? It wasn't a list of skilled general contractors doing this work. Uh, there, there, there was just common ordinary people. And that means something to me because I'm a common ordinary people person. Sorry, English teachers. I'm just a common ordinary guy. I, I want to be a common ordinary guy. There was a time in my life when I was trying to be more than that. But I don't want to be more than just an ordinary guy. I, I, being in his kingdom and being a child of God is good enough for me. 
And here's a list of people here in chapter 3 of, of Nehemiah that are out doing the, the work of the Lord, rebuilding the wall under the charge of Nehemiah, and they're just, they're just common, ordinary people. But here's the difference in these people and everybody else. God called them. I don't know that you've got that. God called these people. As Nehemiah was going around, and we don't have all those details, and we don't know how these people got to working on the wall, but as Nehemiah shows up in the in the in the dark and he's going around I envisioned him with a flashlight and then I got to thinking about Energizer and Duracell and all that and I'm like no that couldn't have been I don't know he had a torch he's going around on horseback he's, he's scoping this thing out in the middle of the night going yeah that, that gate's in bad trouble there we're going to need some people there I don't know what was going on in the minds of the people that are mentioned in this chapter was God already working in their heart so that when Nehemiah finally said hey let's rebuild the wall they're like you know what I've been thinking about that same thing God called these people to this occasion. Can I let you in on a secret this morning? God's called you to an occasion. There's something going on. There's something he has for you. He has called you. And do you know what really gets me fired up? Is when I think about the fact that he called me at all. Well, there's millions and billions of people on the planet. And God called me. And God called you and you and you and every one of us to be a child of his, to, to fulfill a common purpose. That blows my mind. So what's your value to God? When you look at all the things that God has laid in front of you to do, how have you felt about them? How do you, how do you feel about them now? Do you feel unqualified? Well, do you not have any credentials? Do you, have you ever said, well, I don't have any experience in that? Listen, none of these people did. None of these people had the experience that, that you would think that they would. They were just the, the butchers, the bakers, and the candlestick makers, for crying out loud. And Nehemiah said, let's rebuild the wall. And they said, yes. The difference is, they were called of God. I need you to write that down somewhere. You are called of God. God doesn't call the equipped. He equips the called Maybe this is a section of the wall that you need to work on. You've been listening to the lies of the people around you for so long and you've forgotten that he called you. I don't know what he called you to do, but he called you to serve. Verse 14, uh, repairs were made to the dung gate. Who's signing up for that one? I can imagine what happened in the dung gate. But these people were called of Christ to come and repair the gate, that the refuse from the sacrificial system. Listen, if you get that many animals in one place, there's going to be, you know what I'm saying? Somebody's going to need to do some cleanup. God called me to do the cleanup, should be our heart. Hey, if that's how I can be a part of God's kingdom, then I'll be on the team that does the cleanup. Amen? Put me at the dung gate. In several verses, we see that people made repairs to the wall that were directly in front of their house. Oh, I saw that several times in there, and I love it because I said, that, that makes sense, right? Now, these people had been living in front of a broken down wall with burned gates for some time. They had been, come back from Babylon or Assyria or wherever they were exiled to, and they'd been living in the city of Jerusalem with the gates in front of their house burned and not in good shape. Has anybody ever live, lived in a place, maybe you do now, where you kind of look out the front window and you think, somebody needs to do something about that. 
I, I used to live up on Maple Street in Dallas. We lived there for 21 years, and there was a vacant lot across the street. When we first moved there, there was a house, a dilapidated old house. No one had lived there in years, and it was falling out. And I used to look out... Somebody needs to do something about that house over there. It's making my grass look bad. Oh, we've all done it. We've looked out the window and we've seen something and we go, man, somebody ought to put their hands to work over there. Somebody ought to do something. These people have been living in front of that situation for so long. And the Bible tells us in this passage that some of these people got to work on what was right outside of their house. That brings us to see on your outline there, you've got to start in your own house. You've got to look at what's right in front of you. You've been staring at the broken thing for so long. It's time to get working on what's in front of your house. And as these people did that, as they went out and, and looked to see what was in front of their house, they said, you know what, Nehemiah, we'll fix this. We'll get to work on this right here. Oh, I bet there was some guys that, that, even though they had something broken going on right in front of their house, they really wanted the prestige. They, they wanted to be known for, hey, there's a gate across town and we'd really love to go over there and work on that, right? That's what we do. We look across town and go, man, I'm going to go over there and fix that problem. And we look across the street from our own house and here's brokenness. And here's something that needs to be repaired. But we're too worried about going over there to fix what's right in front of us. I need you to hear me this morning when I say some of you need to stay home and fix your own issues before you can go fix somebody else's. Have you ever heard or been on an airplane? I'm sure you've heard it if you haven't where they always say, uh, if the oxygen mask falls from the ceiling above your head, remain calm. That's not going to happen. Why are airplane jokes always funny? Like er every comedian in the world has done the airplane joke and we always laugh. There's no way you're going to, but they always say, Put your own mask on first and then assist other people, right? And that makes good sense. How in the world are you going to help this brother or this sister who's over here freaking out if you can't breathe? Same principle. Guys, let's stay home and get our own wall in order before we can reach out and help somebody else. Well, wouldn't I be a hypocrite if I went into somewhere and said, hey, you need to stop being a liar if I'm a liar? Well, wouldn't I be a hypocrite and wouldn't it not be good if I, if I went and told somebody else how to fix their marriage if my marriage is in shambles? Let's stay home and fix our own issues. Maybe this is an area that you need to work on. You, you, you need to sit and look at your own section of the wall and get it right if you would do that. God would open up doors for you to go out and help other people repair their walls. But you've got to start at home. Look at verse 30. A guy named Hanun was doing some of the work. And, and Nehemiah tells us that he was the sixth son of Zalaph. How many of you have a child named Zalaph? Yes. In the future. I hear you, Hunter. Zalaph. The sixth son of Jalaph. And like I said, everything in the Bible is important. Everything has, to, has to, a place to, to, to fit. And when I read that he was the sixth son of Zalaph, you know what my question was, right? Where's the other five? What are they doing? Are they at home playing video games? Why is this guy on the scene rebuilding the wall and they stayed at home? What's this fellow doing out here? And where's his brothers? You see, somebody in the family has to make a decision for, to stand for what's right. 
When I saw this, I, I looked at this and I said, Hanan had probably heard all of the excuses that his brothers had put out there as to why they weren't going to go help. But something down deep inside stirred this man's heart, this sixth son's heart. And he said, I'm going out there. And I'm going to repair. I'm going to, I'm going to follow under the command of Nehemiah. I, I'm tired of the excuses. This is a worthy cause. I'm going to go out there and impact my world. Even if my family and my brothers don't come, it's okay. I'm going to go and I'm going to do it. None of the excuses, none of the, the reasoning stopped Hanan from going out there. He said, no, sir. Number six is showing up on the scene to represent. Amen? He was there on the scene to break the negative generational patterns in his family. This is probably the last one on your outline. I, I put them out of order, but you'll forgive me. Break the generational patterns in your family. You see, some of you, some of us, has some stuff that keeps coming up generation after generation in our family. And we can either let that be there and we can allow that to be an excuse for us, a crutch for us to not get busy and get her done, pitter-patter. We can follow in the footsteps of our five brothers who are playing video games and sitting back doing nothing. Or we can be like this fellow right here that said, no, sir, God's work needs to be done. I feel the calling on my life. I'm going to break the generational pattern in my family. He wasn't going to be deterred by anything. It, it, it was the section of the wall that needed to be worked on, and he was going to be there to do it. it he saw an unhealthy pattern, perhaps, in his, in his family uh, of people who were unwilling to take a stand and unwilling to go and do, and he said, I'm going to be the person in my family that breaks the cycle. Let me ask you this morning. Maybe you're the person and you're looking at a section of the wall in your own life and you're saying, you know what, I, I've got some generational things happening there. And I've been using those at a, as a crutch. I've been using those uh, to, to, as an excuse to say, I, I can't do what God's called me to do. Today, stand and break that in your life. God has not called you to mimic what other people have done. He has called you out to do that work in his kingdom that he needs you to do you can break that pattern in your family. Many, many, many times, more than I would ever, ever have thought I would have to do, I have sat down, me and Pastor Robert, Pastor Robert and I, sorry, I have sat down with folks in, a, in counseling type sessions and they say, uh, they give the account of, of the, the abuse in their family, the, the alcohol abuse, the drug abuse that, that grandfather and father and, and brothers went through and they say, this is why I'm tied up in it. This is what's happening in my life. I can't break free. And we say, yes, you can with God's help and the power of the Holy Spirit. You can break the generational curse in your family. You do not have to raise your kids in that environment and see them follow in the same footsteps of a generational curse. Amen? You can be the person that breaks that in your family. Finally, I want you to look at really quick, flip over to chapter 4, verse 6. It's so powerful. It says this, So we rebuilt the wall till all of it reached half its height. So they're in process. It's not done yet. I love that because I'm not done yet. Anybody else not done yet? I'm like a half-baked cake up here. All some of me is getting done. Mom used to take a, a regular old butter knife. She'd pull that cake out of the come out clean, she called it, and the bottom of the knife would have a little bit of gooey on there, and she'd say, it needs five more minutes. That amazed me. I didn't know how she knew that. 
I mean, I know now, right? I'm half-baked cake. So are you. We're still in process. There's still stuff in our lives that needs to get fixed. And it it needs to grow. And it needs to be rebuilt. They were halfway there. Everybody had been working. And and it says they'd reached half of its height. And then it continues and says, For the people worked with all their heart. Isn't that refreshing? Now some of you might just look at me sometimes and go, You know what? You're just a nut. You, 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 and, you and P. Rob get up there and you guys are just, you're nuts. You just go after it. You're just so loud and boisterous and, 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 and all of that stuff. But I'm going to tell you who I am. When I go after something, I go after it with all my heart. Now, I haven't always got that right. But when it comes to God's kingdom work, I go after it with all my heart. It's refreshing when you see somebody who's going after something with all their heart. Something that matters Have you ever just cared so much about something and how it was going to turn out that you just poured yourself and everything into it? Right? That's how we do. When when our daughter's getting married, oh, we just pour everything into it. The wallet comes out and we're just, oh God, I I don't even know where this money's coming from. We just pour ourselves into that. Right? When our kids are, are, are growing up, we, we see them and, 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 we, and we see them show an interest and they, they take an interest in soccer and we just pour ourselves in. Oh, they're going to be the next great soccer player. Thank you, Lord, for this, this child that you've given me, right? We just pour ourselves into different areas of our life. We pour out all of our hearts. We care so much about it. This wall, this rebuilding of the wall was something that was so important, something that deserved the, these people's focus. It was something that they prioritized over everything else. And they worked hard with all their heart. It says in verse 27 that this gentleman by the name of Baroch, he zealously repaired a section of the wall. That's not a word we use a lot lately, but, but zeal. Doing something zealously doesn't strike me as something that we do a lot. But we should. They, they worked with all their hearts. That's the, the D on your outline. It is work with all your heart and have Great zeal. Maybe this is a section of the wall that you need to work on. You you need to see this as a fresh assignment and a renewed passion for what God has has called you to do. And once you identify it and once you know what it is, you need to work at it with all your heart and with great zeal. Maybe you're tired this morning. And that doesn't sound good to you because you've got so much going on, working with all your heart, being zealous for something doesn't sound good. You're, you're already burned out. Maybe you're already exhausted. Well, that's why we have the Lord to come in and give us a renewed sense of vigor and zeal for the work that he's called us to do. We need people who will work, who will fight, who will serve, who will go with zeal and will do it with all their hearts. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes with me this morning? As I encouraged you when I first started, chapter 3 is just, oh, it's just packed with people's names and people who had put their hands to the task and were out there working at what God had put in front of them. It's a beautiful picture of a wall being built, but it's a beautiful picture to us of maybe areas in our life that desperately need 
our attention. And so, in a room this size, I know that there's probably a handful of us, me included, that need God to start the rebuilding process somewhere in our lives. Maybe there's somebody here this morning that you have no idea where to even start because you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ. Nehemiah had a relationship with God that that drove him to do what God had called him to do, but maybe you don't feel that in your life. You don't know of a, a calling. You, you haven't felt Jesus ask you to do anything because you don't have a relationship with him. Oh, I would hate for you to leave here today without direction, without knowing what that is in your life, without having that personal relationship with him. And so I would just ask simply, if there's anybody here this morning that does not have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ that would be willing to raise their hand before we say this last prayer and just say, Pastor, don't forget me in this, in this last prayer. Anybody at all? Just pop a hand up real quick. Don't forget me, Pastor. Is there anybody here this morning that needs to rebuild a section of the wall? Maybe you need to stay home and rebuild what's in front of you. Thank you, brother. I see that hand. Maybe you need to look out the front window and start at home and rebuild what's there. Maybe you need to rebuild the section of worship in your wall and prioritize what God is doing. Maybe you need to have God's heart to work with more heart and more zeal in everything that you do. Maybe you need to break a generational curse in your family. Something that has kept you, given you an excuse and kept you from being all that God has called you to be. Any of those things, just pop a hand up. Say, Pastor, don't forget me in this last prayer. Anybody? Great. Absolutely. Yep. Hands all over the place. Here's what I want to do. If that's you, maybe you didn't even raise your hand. I just want you to come down front. I just want to pray for you very, very quickly. See, we don't want to leave this place with something undone. We want to leave this place allowing God to do what he came here to do this morning. And so you stepping out of your seat and walking down here has no power whatsoever. You could have done this anywhere. But what it does do is it signifies in your life and it signifies to God, hey, I need help in this area. That's all it is. And now your brothers and sisters are going to come and, and surround these and we're going to pray over them. And then we're going to worship our God this morning before we leave this place. I need some brothers and sisters to come and get in the faces of these people. Ask them what it is that, that you can help pray with them about. And then we're all going to pray together in Jesus' name. Would you all just pray over these people where you are? Just extend a hand in this direction. God's doing work. This is not playtime. And we want him to have that opportunity.